Hi, welcome back to Roadmap, the Auto Trader podcast for all things product and tech. This episode, we're looking at apps, personalization, and a bit of privacy. We've got three guests who spend their days in this area. Today, I've got with me Harriet. Hi, Harriet. Hey. I've got Paul. Hey, Paul. Hey, morning. And I've got Sam. Hi. Hey. Right, just to kick off, I'd like you to introduce your, because you've got three very different roles. So I'm going to start with you, Sam, and what is your role at AutoTrader? Uh, so I am a senior test engineer on native apps. Cool. Yourself, Harriet? I'm a senior developer. Well, I work in the Android team specifically. All oh, right, so Android. Yeah. Not Apple. No, I'm not going to start that war on camera, <laughs> but no, never Apple. Okay, and what about yourself, Paul? So I'm senior mobile marketing manager. Uh, get to take all the great stuff that these guys and the rest of the team put together and take it to market to, to drive some downloads and get people to come back. So, awesome. Uh, yeah. Senior, senior, senior. Three Sorry. seniors, brilliant. Okay, so we're going to kick off around thinking about Autotrade, the journey, and <clears throat> the whole consumer experience and the different platforms we have out there because a lot of people might just think of us as the, the website. So just thinking about the consumer experience and how important that is to Autotrader. Yeah, and I think maybe if I, I kick off, I think first and foremost, it's, it's I mean, it's incredibly exciting time for us, you know, with the app. You know, the last three, four years, um, it's been the fastest growing platform. Uh, get around three million monthly active users. So there's a lot of people kind of passing through the wow. app. Uh, I think what's really interesting for me is kind of sharing those success stories, particularly with people like yourselves and other members of the leadership team and around the business. Because, you know, the, the app now is driving kind of half of the number yeah, of leads yeah. that we see in the business. Um, more ad views are generated through the th- through the app as well. So I think over over the last few years, we've really developed that user experience to kind of just, just drive more engagement from the user. And I think this is obviously where we're going to come on and talk a little bit about how we're tailoring that experience for yeah. them. Um, but I think first and foremost, yeah, it's just a really kind of powerful tool and I think, you know, really driving that business forward, which is, which is, yeah, re- really good for us. Cool. And have yourself, Harriet, Sam, have you always worked in apps or is this a new foray for yourselves? So I didn't originally come from like an app background. I did electronic engineering at university with like music tech. So a bit different. Um, and then after I graduated, I did wearable tech for a bit. And I got made redundant literally after two weeks because <laughs> I was like the last one. Yeah, the last one in, I was the first one out. Oh, so I had a bit of a mass panic and my friend got me a job at a lighting company that needed an app to be made for oh their right, lighting cool. products. So that's how I ended up doing it. I actually really liked it. Yeah. So this is like the third app that I've worked on. Wow. Yeah. And what about yourself, Sam? Yeah, I um, actually started in the graduate scheme back in 2018 uh, as a tester. So I've, I've been a tester for the whole career, but I actually started on web. So I did uh, about a year and a half on web, I think. I moved to apps uh, just before the COVID lockdown. So it's approaching about three and a half years on apps now and a year and a half on web before that. It's funny, we do refer to the COVID years now. It's just a blur, (laughs) isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. I remember it very well because uh, the the week that we all went fully remote was the week before I moved to apps. So it was quite the experience. And Paul, did you work? Have you always worked in like mobile apps? No, so I've, you can probably tell from the grey. I'm, 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 I'm a little <laughs> kind of older than, than these two youngsters, but no, I actually started in consumer electronics. So kind of hi-fi's and home cinema. No always kind of really fascinated with kind of technology and kind of products. So, you know, uh, yeah, it was about seven or eight years ago. Kind of had the opportunity to kind of step in and lead a mobile app development. At, uh, photo printing company right uh so yeah just really fast paced just really enjoyed it and just really gone from there you know so uh it's just constantly changing new things yeah. launching 
and uh yeah it's been exciting cool just to give like people tuning in that might be from outside at <clears throat> just give us a like a bit of an insight of how the apps world works and interacts with the rest of the business because obviously it is a slightly different skill set but obviously we work in a more you know wider pnt perspective yeah i'd say so i've been here it's coming up to five years now it does not feel that long but it's definitely changed a lot since i first started working here so i don't know if anyone remembers like sat down here but the app scene used to be quite small yeah yeah, yeah and, like I the remember. app scene's grown massively we're like over 20 people now i think when i joined at one point there was only five of us like we had one ios developer yeah that was adam bless him but he's, he's done well <laughs> the app's still going <laughs> But um, yeah, I think when I first started, not many people really knew who the apps team were and what we did. I don't think people use the apps as much. I think people sort of used to see the app as like a search form pretty much. They didn't realize like the potential that the apps had and how many users that we have. And I think since people have started realizing more um, and started you know, looking at the numbers, seeing how many users we have, since they've sort of locked into how we can personalize the app, we've had a lot more communication across the company. Um, we work a lot closer with designers now, whereas before we were just getting designs from web yeah. to use on the app. Whereas now I think people are a bit more considerate about sort of the app experience and like what our users might want to see because, you know, we're an app first. We can do a lot of things on the app that you wouldn't be able to do on the web. Yeah. Um, and now we're getting to a point we've created, it's called uh, NAS, which is Native App Service. No, sorry, I'm going to say that again. <laughs> so hi. <laughs> it's called NAS, which is Native App Service. Um, and we love an acronym here. But yeah, basically what this is allowing us to do is get web involved. So web can start developing our back end for apps and we can just push, you know, the sort of front end from the back end to our device. I can yeah. speak more about how that works after. Yeah. But since we've got that in place, like we've been talking so much more to like the rest of product engineering. We've been onboarding people into how we're making the app. People yeah. have been going away and making, you know, products that they want to see in the app and they can just see it in real time. Cool. So I don't well, know if that answers your question. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just are really interested, like, again, so I can see where we're starting to blend between the different disciplines. What about from a test engineering perspective? Are you tied quite up with the rest of the crew or is it a bit of a silo in terms of apps? Uh, I think apps is quite often a bit of a, a silo by its nature. We're, we're trying to make it less so. So I can kind of echo what Harriet said, you know, go back a few years ago, it was AutoTrader as a website. Oh, they also have an app. And now, and for quite a while now, the, the iOS app is AutoTrader's biggest consumer platform. Yeah and has been for a while uh, so we're trying to kind of unify together when when i moved into apps it was a lot less kind of collaboration between web and apps than there is now it's taken longer i think for the testing collaboration to happen i think the developer collaboration came in a bit earlier um just because in a general kind of day-to-day -day, what we do is quite different uh yeah. we do you know in web they use cypress for all their testing uh it would be a dream if we could use cypress on apps but nothing is quite that mature on uh an apps testing front uh, can be a lot more involved and there aren't necessarily that many scared shared skills in terms of kind of the technical aspects. Yeah. There's of course the shared skills in terms of, you know, the, the best practice, how to write a good test and very top level kind of things. But when you get down to the nitty gritty, there's not all that much that's necessarily okay. shared. They're two quite different disciplines. Yeah. And what about from a marketing perspective, Paul, how does that work between like the apps side of things and the rest of your fellow marketeers yeah i mean i think what what i was going to say actually is what's really interesting now is that you know the, the way that kind of consumers are consuming kind of apps i think it kind of highlights the the fact that there's kind of such a convenience to kind of using an app i mean uh, 
the number of times we get consumers kind of popping in a review saying I'm burning my eyeballs out because I'm using this at kind of 11 o'clock at night in, in bed and they want a dark mode, I think is, is you know, a testament to now why the app is so important for the business. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of the way that we work with other parts of the business and particularly with the marketing team, now I think it's a platform with, with scale and they recognize that obviously there's marketing opportunities to talk about new features or social events that are going on within auto trader so i think being able to kind of now leverage uh you know our, our new messaging platform that i think we're going to come on to to kind of communicate some of these things i think yeah. is is quite exciting going forward cool <clears throat> so when we when we started we talked like just intro about personalization it's something i know we've talked a little bit about before but i'd just like you to like explain what is personalization <laughs> and like on the other side, what yeah. is privacy? Because yeah. we talk about it a lot and you see it in the press, but actually, you know, like layman's terms, what actually is it? Yeah, I mean, I think from a personalization standpoint, I was, I was kind of thinking of kind of a, a good example, or, or actually maybe I'll start with a bad example. I was in Uniqlo the other day in the, in the shop, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fantastic products. So certainly uh, not saying that Uniqlo are, are a bad example of, of kind of products, because I think they're fantastic. But my experience of walking in that shop is when I walk in, I've got to walk through the women's section, the kids' section, probably got to go up three flights of stairs. And, you know, if the, the men's section is right into the corner, it's probably one checkout. So I've got to walk all the way through the store to kind of pick up those products. So in terms of kind of personalization, when we talk about a mobile app, it's about surfacing kind of what you're looking for and tailoring that experience. So when you land in the app or you journey through the app, that experience is being tailored specifically for you so you're yeah. not having to go through all this, all of these different kind of journeys that just aren't relevant or you're seeing in the auto trader case you're seeing car makes and models and price points that are just completely unrelevant for you so uh yeah that's why it's so important um and i was just looking at some industry data they're saying that now 70 percent of consumers expect personalization when they kind of land on a particular brand page and and um, you know, if they see that, they're actually far better. And I think it was like 31% more inclined to kind of convert. So, you know, it just, just highlights the what you can achieve if you do start to tailor that app experience. Yeah. And how, how do we, I don't know if this is getting a bit tacky, but how do we then do the personalization? What's the, what's the key points or data points that then drive the app to be able to surface personalized content is that where the privacy bit starts to kind come? of yeah so we've got on apps for example we've got home screen right we don't really have home screen on web i mean the beauty in apps is it's a piece of software that lives on your device right users that use apps tend to be more signed in than they would be on web right so we can paint a picture of how the user is interacting with auto trader on the app itself and based on the way they interact in the app we can then sort of tailor their experience to them and a lot of what we do is using tracking and also there's like a new product that we've been using called Braze, which we've been working heavily with um, like Paul on the implementation of that. And like just an example of what we can do with Braze, um, we get snowplow data from tracking. I'm trying not to get too techy here. That's cool. You asked the question. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically we take that tracking data and then Paul does his magic and he d decides what users want what information then we'll like display um i don't know a notification to them we can display like banner to the app home screen for example what 
we've got like um, a carousel on home screen which basically says you know the recent cars that you've been viewing it'll also like give you different types of cars that you might be interested in like it might you know recognize that you like hatchbacks or that like, you've been looking at audis right basically stuff that's going to keep the user interested and in clicking through those right. little page ads yeah and pete i think it's worth just stressing so when we talk about tracking I think that's where consumers do get nervous. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when we talk about privacy, historically, um, for anyone who's an iPhone user, uh, perhaps I think it was about 18 months ago, you know, this this pop-up came in. So anyone who's got an iPhone, they'll be familiar that download an app, you'll see this allow tracking yeah. or don't allow at the start of an app journey. So prior to that, a lot of brands were able to use third-party data from the likes of kind of Facebook to kind of really power up kind of uh, their advertising to on these platforms. Now, with that change, it's really empowered the consumer to make the, dis- the choice as to whether they want that, yeah. that brand to allow tracking effectively. So, um, you know, w- what, what we've seen from that is clearly a lot of people don't want to allow tracking, right? So I think it's about a third of users actually allow it, so two-thirds don't what it's forced brands to now do is use their own data to kind of really now power up uh, the personalization of the app. So by encouraging people to sign up in the AutoTrader app, as Harriet says, uh, that basically allows us to see your very specific journey and we can now yeah, use that data to tailor the app experience. Yeah. If you're looking for a BMW or a VW, you know, we can customize that home screen to make it more relevant for you. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I think one of the biggest kind of shifts that's happened over the last few years is the empowerment of consumers to control their personalization and their data. And that's something that is quite different on apps, you know, between users, they install an app. What do they give it permissions for? That's entirely up to them. Uh, What do they share with the app? That's entirely up to them. Do they want notifications or not? That's entirely up to them. Uh, And all of this is now on device. You know, we don't have to offer an option for this. The devices are doing it themselves. So the user really gets to tailor these things. And equally, because of this, we need to be more conscious of these things. So an example I often give in terms of personalization is email inboxes. Everyone's got 10,000 emails in their inbox, typically. (laughs) They don't often often look at them. Like, they'll get pinged through, and that's fine. Loads of people will send you loads of emails. But people care way more about the notification area on their phone a lot of the time. If you send a couple of notifications and they're like, that's not relevant to me, they're turning that off on their device. Yeah, yeah. They might even uninstall your app at that point. Yeah. yeah. I thought about that. And then, then you're not getting it. Yeah. So you have to be a lot more conscious in terms of your personalization in an app space, I feel, as to making sure you, that you are really giving that relevant notification because people care so much more yeah. about that space. And if you're not, yeah, they might just completely uninstall your app. So, so, where, do, so where does the... I mean, I keep going, I don't know why... That Apple advert with that music with the guy where everyone's sat he's like in his around by all the brands. He's yeah, just yeah, he's exactly. flying through yeah. me. He's flying through my head. So like when it comes to that personalization strategy and like you said on notifications over email and how we do it, is that is that something that you come up with, Paul? Where does that personalization strategy come from? I think from? ultimately we're as a business, we're driven by data, right? And clearly what we've seen is if we tailor that experience whether it be messaging to sam's point or the user experience of somebody on landing on the home page we actually see them generate far more ads and leads and convert better if we're tailoring that experience yeah. so why would we not do more of yeah. that but what the meta- bit i don't uh, the bit i don't get is i think you mentioned something harriet is when a consumer does 
a real person like me does A, how do you decide that based on that trigger, you're going to do one, two, and three? Is right. that like those like rule sets? Because there must be, or yeah. is, that, is that AI starting to think about that? How do we do that? So a lot of the data that we gather, like it's all in-app data, right? This isn't yeah. like outside the app. It's not right. like while you're browsing the web or anything like that. So we'll be tracking that data. Then we send that data up to Snowplow. And then Paul can create buckets of people he wants to target with certain oh, okay, right. like notifications or certain yeah. pop-ups. So I don't know if you want to talk yeah, about that. Yeah, so we won't go into too much detail about Braze, but basically it's a new consumer engagement platform. First time we've ever had one in the app, so it's really yeah. exciting and we're still learning. But uh, effectively, yeah, to Harriet's point, we get all of this data. We have to decide how to segment the audience basically based on certain behavior uh, or things that they're doing or not doing. And then we can basically flow them through a journey. And again, if you happen to step through something, we can serve you a certain tailored message based on that. Or if you happen to abandon, we can tailor a different message for you as well. So we can now really build out these kind of individual journeys for, for each and every kind of customer. And, and clearly that's just a much better experience yeah. if you're being targeted based on what you're doing rather than just thrown into this generic yeah. bucket of you might have done this or you might not have yeah, done yeah. that. Yeah. In not. terms in terms of the platform, you can almost imagine it like creating a flowchart. Like yeah, the user yeah. starts on yeah. the flowchart and we've got all these little gates like, did they do this? Did they yeah. do that? And we can send them off in different directions depending on what kind of but things they've done. So how do you, like from a test engineer perspective then, how do you, because that sounds pretty complicated, how do you test that it's doing the right thing so that it doesn't come out, I'm looking at BMWs and I'm getting targeted with Ford Fiestas. Nothing wrong with Ford Fiestas, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's it's kind it's kind of twofold. So I mean, realistically speaking, we can't necessarily easily test it in the way that I'll just sit on the app and I'll browse fifty Ford Fiestas and see if it comes up. So the actual Braze platform has quite a nice function where we can essentially just send a test notification from a bucket. We can just send it straight to a specific device and make sure that displays. And then because it's powered by our snowplow tracking in the back end making sure that all of our snowplow tracking is accurate and is working and is sending the expected data we can then assume that well this is going to send the right notification to the right person yeah. and of course when we very first set them up we will do that very arduous process of right let's actually get a real one to trigger yeah. to make sure it works but it's as long as all the data feeding into the system is right and the setup in the system is right then it will work as you yeah. expected at the end of the day and when did we start going down this path of personalization it was was it with the introduction of braze or was it before that and braze has helped it i mean helped? i think from a from a user experience perspective and these guys will, will pay testament to i think we've been doing it in the app for some time so certainly when you first land in in the home screen you know we've tried to tailor some of the um tiles or placements within that home screen to, based on on the sort of cars and makes and models and price points and save searches and saves ads that you kind of looked at. So we've been doing it in the, the app itself for quite some time. From a engagement and messaging standpoint, that's relatively new for the app. We've been doing it on email very successfully for quite some time, but now we've we've got this brand new platform that starts to allow us to kind of serve up push notifications and emails kind of in the same time or again, based on your preference, if you prefer a push or an email, we can see that and we can start to serve you the sort of communication that you prefer so yeah. um so yeah yeah it's been it's been complexity i think is the big move that we've had recently so the things that the app does has been in there for years it's just hard coded into the client on the home screen you search for a bmw 3 series then the next time you open the app the home screen might have a row of bmw 3 series on it it's 
personalization, but quite simple personalization. They're just simply the app locally, not even on your account level, is just looking at what you do and giving you some recommendations based on that. Braze is a massive step in the direction of kind of linking the data systems together. So now it's not just this local client on this phone says, oh, you search this, so I'll show you this. It's now tying together that user and the actions that they're doing within the AutoTrader domain and all of the different feedback methods. You know, Braze can power emails as well. It's not just notifications and kind of tying the whole thing up in kind of a more intelligent way where we can understand the user more than just having quite a simplistic mm -hmm. they've looked at this on this device so we can show them that it's a big step forwards for us in yeah. that respect we've definitely had like personalization on apps for a while like since before i even joined because we've had john working on it for ages but like i say this is definitely like the new and improved personalization yeah. like we've had home screen for a few years we've had um they've gone now but they'll probably be coming back at some point and like save stock alerts as well so when you make like save searches based on different cars you'll be getting like notifications as soon as like a new vehicle was added that you know conforms to that search that you'd been like interested in like it's something we've been doing in apps for a while um but yeah i think with this new sort of braze integration we can definitely do a lot more yeah. than we used to do and what's good as well is like this work that we've done to sort of integrate braze into the app we've consolidated our sort of privacy like marketing alert screen with web so before everything used to live in different parts of like the sort of at domain Whereas now, any toggle that you toggle on the app uh, manage alert screen will update on web and vice versa. All right, cool. So you can set your email alerts on the, well, you can set your email alerts on web and app on an app. You can just set your sort of like notification alerts and yeah. stuff. But that's all tied into one place, which is really powerful because when it comes to Braze, you have sort of notification channels. So you want users to turn on and off channels based on what they want to see. Whereas before you could just turn the full channel off, the full channel on. Now people can decide what type of notifications they want to receive, whereas before you couldn't go into like that much detail. Right. It does sound like, like, and maybe this is my ignorance, I was going to say naivety, but not ignorance, is that personalization and apps are absolutely tied and, uh, and it's pivotable, pivotal for the future of apps. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, <coughs> example always give, right, I, I can't remember how many million people have, have downloaded Amazon, right? but they are brilliant at getting you to sign up when you first download that app. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For yeah. anyone who, many of us do use the Amazon app, you know, every time you go on that home screen, you will see products that are tailored to what you've just searched for. In my case, it tends to be quite a bit of cycling stuff. Um, so, you know, therefore I'm much more inclined to kind of convert. If you want to just understand how powerful personalization is, log yourself out and then go back into the home screen yeah. and you will see a radically different yeah, yeah, experience yeah. in that yeah. Amazon app. Uh, so it just makes such a difference. And you can see why brands, you know, Amazon, I've seen McDonald's now, you know, again, they're kind of tailoring what you order. So they're pushing their app a lot as well. So yeah. it really is very powerful for, for businesses. Yeah, yeah and yeah. definitely like with the, the sort of change that we've made, making the app more back end for front end focus, it means that we can change a lot of what we display to the user on the fly. So we can do a lot of A-B testing as well. So I don't know if yeah. you've used Spotify a lot, but sometimes yeah. Spotify's UI completely changes from one day to the next and you've not updated the app at all. So they were, well, they create their app or they used to anyway. I don't know if they do now, just saying that in case. <laughs> but um, similar to the, like the way we're doing it, where we create sort of different modular features, different modular UI components that we can sort of drag and drop and create a user experience based on that. And because we can do that, we can set up A-B tests. So A-B tests in case people don't know, you know, you're, just, you're showing product A, product B, we can decide what the user prefers based yeah. on that, show it to like different people. 
So we could like, I don't know, say we want a new feature on home screen that's tailored to you. We could drop that in for certain users, see how 10% of our user base reacts. And then if we like it, we can put it up to 100 and roll yeah. it out to everyone. So it's really good for that, you know, sort of experimentation and seeing what products we might want yeah. as well. So what previously would we have to get a new Yeah, you'd app have to release the app. Until it, the app stores and bug fixes as it. well. Yeah, yeah that, that's something that I think is often worth mentioning in kind of the differences between app and web. So yeah. app is great for personalization. Like as Paul was saying, one of the big differences with apps is so many more people are signed in on an app versus on web. I think, you know, for our stats, we've got less than 10% of people on web. Uh, signed into our website whereas on our ios app we have about 70 percent of the users signed in because people are much more willing to sign in and then you can personalize much more when you have their account you have their information their auto trader browsing you know that what they've done that's when personalization really comes in and then as harry's mentioned with kind of the back end for front end we can really drive these little changes into the app and test these little things you know put little banners on the home page for this that we had one i believe for instance offer in the past yeah and black friday deals as well yeah. yeah where we could just deliver these but the biggest thing for our, our server-driven ui and our back end for front end stuff is getting us to more of a, a web standard because as you were saying there the the difference between web and apps a lot of the time is if you want to deploy something on your website you know we press a button on go or it's on continuous delivery already it just goes straight out two minutes later everyone's seeing it typically on the app we produce a software artifact that we're ready to release and then we send it to google or apple and they will review it and decide if they're happy yeah. with it hope for the best yeah hope for the best uh and then when they is are it is it really fingers crossed oh yeah oh, sometimes yeah. they get rejected and you resubmit and it's fine like i don't know sometimes it gets rejected for a reason that it's never been rejected for in the past as well like yeah. i mean google aren't as stringent Right. No. Or sometimes but the tester on their end hasn't read the notes we've written them yeah. and we have to reiterate oh. them because they've missed something. Well, we're getting into tester wars. That, 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 <laughs> that, can, that can delay things for days in terms of getting it out. And then when we finally do get it out, we normally do a staged release of you know 10%, 20%, 30% you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So it takes about a week realistically for us to get the app to 100% of users. And then after that, we also need to wait for them to update the app on their device to get the new yeah. features. So is this where the back end to front end? Yeah, yeah. you just remove that whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So as long as the user is on a version of our app that is up to date enough to support the latest version of what we, you know, our, our back end for front end, what we've called our composable framework, we can change things on the app on the fly. In the past, simple changes like, you know, oh, we need to change this sentence on this page would take two weeks yeah. for us to change so that this, sentence so this being like a revelation for for yourself yeah i mean i think these guys are, are always modest you know we've got an incredible kind of 4.8 star kind of rating uh, across the app so it just shows the diligence that kind of goes into to building an app and obviously we do know that that has a really powerful uh influence on kind of consumers deciding which apps to yeah. kind of download so i think it's it's important that we maintain that but yeah, sometimes there are frustrations perhaps on my side that things do get a little bit delayed and perhaps not released as, as quickly as I'd like. But, you know, I think that's just part and parcel of the process. And I think another thing, interestingly to add, is that Apple is starting to pick up a little bit more on the privacy side. So I know that we've had actually quite a few rejections around not being able to kind of locate app deletion, uh, account deletion, even though we kind of share the notes and it kind of we've put it as kind of visible as we can apps now have to include the ability for consumers to, to delete that account right. so you know this constant kind of changing of kind of the way that we do yeah. things and we have to kind of uh, account for those so is there yeah. 
is there good i've got two questions bubbling there so first it's so is there a, a big difference between the way apple when talking privacy versus android are they like is it different schools of thought or they're at a just different point in the journey yeah so i can maybe i'll maybe talk about so w when apple introduced this new i say we won't call it the technical term but basically it was this allow tracking pop-up uh, yeah. which is about 18 months ago um they very much positioned it as a consumer friendly feature and and absolutely is very consumer friendly and that was that advert wasn't it? correct that's that was the yeah, advert yeah. that then they put so again yeah, yeah. it was kind of they were very much on the side of the consumer yeah and kind of brands that are hunting you around are kind of the enemy Re reading <laughs> between the lines i would say it was a bit of a meta kind of killer you know uh, facebook generates an awful amount of kind of ad revenue this fundamentally kind of removed some of their capability and i think it was about 20 billion dollars was wiped off their market value so you know and no surprise apple has kind of got their ad platform and they've seen that kind of trem tremendously grow as a result of that so android haven't gone the same route as yet but next year they will go a similar route but i think uh from a consumer perspective again it will empower you to choose uh whether you want to allow ad tracking right. but from a, a business perspective it won't be quite yeah. as aggressive so does that does does that create a challenge the fact that we've got two different right yeah. two different privacy strategies two different privacy strategies and uh google's typical handling is a bit more hands-off like they they will give the user a lot of empowerment on their device to control things but w in terms of what we do with our actual app they're not that bothered whereas apple will mandate by x date we have added this feature into our app or they will not allow us to do a release uh, and there's several things that they've mandated in privacy terms. So unlinking socials from your AutoTrader account. So if you've, you've signed in with Google and you want to unlink Google from your AutoTrader account, there's a button to do that in the iOS app. Same as how there's the button to delete your AutoTrader account in there. Both of those are in there because Apple said all apps on our app store need to have this functionality by this date or you cannot release an update to your app. Whereas Google have never done anything yeah. like that. Google Store is a bit of a free-for-all, but it's been changing, you know, let's right. give them some credit. I oh think yeah, they're yeah. trying so to, like, get yeah. to the standard so of, like, Apple. So, I, I'm <laughs> going to go random. So, I'm, a, I'm an Apple user, I love Apple. What about yourself? Are you Apple or Android? Oh, God. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, I know. Um, I am an Android user. I, I think Apple devices have their place. For me personally... I like don't know what kind of worms you've opened here. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I like customization a bit too much personally. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. I I really like to customize the experience on my device in a way that you can't really do on yeah. an iPhone. Maybe, maybe that's why. I that's like the iPhone. most polite way I've heard you ever say that, Sam. <laughs> okay, thanks, so, Sam. Yeah. What about yourself? Um, I'm an Android user, but I do update my phone quite a lot. But at the moment, I seem to be Samsung. And I don't know why I had an iPhone and this is the stupidest reason to not have an iPhone, but like I'm notoriously bad at losing things. I had an iPhone for two weeks, went on holiday to a festival in Croatia, decided to change from my iPhone to like a really, really bad phone so I could like not lose it at the festival. Literally left the phone in an airport. So I took that as an omen of I shouldn't have an iPhone. <laughs> and I've not had one since. Wow. So what, yeah. And what about yourself, Paul? I'm on I'm, my I'm phone. I think the convenience, yes. I'm, I'm not yes. a developer. I can understand the, the personalization yeah. of the phone, but 
the convenience is yeah. is yeah it's spot on from an iphone i feel like you get quite locked in though to apple products as soon yeah. as you get an iphone then you want a macbook you want the watch <laughs> and then it well just takes got, over your life yeah, well yeah i've got three three kids and, and uh partner we've all got iphones yeah. i mean it, i think yeah i think you're explaining i just like the fact the simplicity so i've got another on favorite question before we go on to like more strategy stuff so you talked about apps and you how you mentioned spotify so what have your when you think about personalization have you got favorite apps that you know like you absolutely love the way that they've they've done it yeah i think from my <coughs> side i mean strava is probably oh, one yeah. i've had for a few years it's bad, it's you know I'm, I'm getting on and it's not quite as easy to to go for so many runs or bike rides <laughs> but you know i just love the fact that you can when you know when you, you upload a, a ride or a, or a run you know you can see what other people are doing in your area you can look back over kind of your historical times and and you're not having to kind of search for these things they're kind of all surfaced immediately when you kind of download the app and there's kind of segments and things like that i mean it's it's a bit painful to see that you're getting older and slower but i just love the fact that you yeah. can kind of see all of that data yeah. as soon as you kind of open i mean it. i do like the fact you can do the privacy zones though as exactly well. especially if you've got a nice bike you don't want to advertise in where you live Exactly. Um, pesky people. Yeah. What about yourself, Harriet? I'm just going to go with my Spotify option yeah. from before. I use that app way too much, probably. But I really like how you get it so tailored to you. Like, you get like, what is it, six daily mixes, for yeah. example. It works out what sort of genres you like. I've got playlists that me and my friends have sort of created together, and then it's like recommended songs to add to it. Yeah. I think from a personalization perspective, I'm from like just a general user perspective. It's a really good app. Yeah. See, what I've, <laughs> I've just realized this weekend, I went away with me eldest son on the way back we listen to spotify and i put that new dj feature oh on, gosh, and it said no. hi gab and i'm like i'm not gab <laughs> so i realized because of me play mix was getting weirder and weirder that my 13 year old son has somehow hijacked my account changed the name so when his dj mix came up it'd have one of mine like beatles or whatever and then it had some random stuff but it was the yeah. bit where you can see that he's using it more than me so like every third or fourth song was something i liked and then i was like what is this yeah that's a really like random feature i'd say they've added yeah. recently i'm not the biggest fan of that one because i think it just switches from like six songs of like one sort of yeah, like genre yeah. and then it'll go straight into six of something completely yeah, different yeah. and then obviously it's like an ai generated voice so it doesn't pronounce all the words properly either so i think it's just a bit jarring like you might as well just listen to yeah. the radio <laughs> at that point and what about yourself sam uh personalization wise i've got to go for spotify as well wow. i mean i God, I made my Spotify account not long after they launched in the UK, back when I, I was in year eight at secondary school, when I made my Spotify account. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? Oh, God. Uh, I feel really, really, <laughs> feel really, really old. And um, I've used it the, basically the entire time for listening to music. And since I've used it for so long, the recommendations it gives me are fantastic. I would say now, having used it for so long, maybe more than half of kind of my go-to pot and shuffle playlist comes from spotify radios and blends and recommendations and it has really introduced me to so much music that i never would have seen in other ways yeah. even if their a b testing strategy can be a little bit annoying and it's really quite annoying when you're using the app one day then the next day the function you just really like that you saw is gone or this button's completely moved and then another week it moves back somewhere else again so from a UX perspective, I know that could be a bit annoying, but recommendations for music, I, I can't fault them. And cool. we're about to start doing that. <laughs> we're going to hopefully do it a bit less like that, but yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, uh, so flipping back to our trader land then. So obviously marketer, apps engineer, test engineer, what is the most 
rewarding part of your role when you think about this the whole personalization piece is the things that really go oh that's brilliant i love it yeah i think for me it's just sharing the successes that we had so uh and and just getting those learnings and and then taking them forward into kind of the the next piece of work that we do so for example for example you know um on the braise consumer engagement platform we started to roll out some of the push notifications and already it's, it's early days but already what we're interestingly seeing is um uh, for those that don't know we give away a, a free electric car every month so we thought let's roll a push notification out to all of our app users uh, and it will do amazingly well and you know we're giving away a free car right all you've got to do is provide your email address so for anyone listening do 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 go ahead because we run that every month it's a so i think we've given away 27 so far oh. But what was what was really interesting is, you know, went out to a mass of people and it got a lot of traffic, you know, tens of thousands of kind of clicks. But what we then have in parallel is we have um, things around where you're selling your car and we have push notifications that kind of talk to you around if you've decided to kind of edit your ad. To me, they're a bit more mundane, a bit more straightforward. But when you actually look at the amount of people that are clicking on those messages versus that big broadcast marketing one to give away a free car, we're actually seeing twice as many, two to three times as many people actually click through on the fact that you, we sent you a notification to edit your your ad because they just want confirmation yeah. that their update has is, is now gone in place and actually they're obviously a bit more likely to kind of sell their car. So I think those learnings are going to now help us kind of, uh, you know, just steer us in terms of the journeys that we can take going forward and how people like to kind of receive relevant communication so yeah. um yeah i think some for me it's about learning the successes and and promoting those and taking those forward cool what about yourself yeah. Harriet? i'm just happy that the business is like recognizing how powerful the apps can be and what we can do for our user base and like people are listening and we're you know we've been allowed to experiment sort of come up with our own features as well and like i think the personalization space is massive like there's so much we could do within apps like just talking about like the braze notifications if we know like a user's been, I don't know, like searching for a specific car over a few weeks and they've stopped or maybe they've continued doing it, we can work out who's actually still in the market for a car and like send them, you know, the ads that they might be interested in seeing, stuff like that. I think it's, it's so powerful. Like we could be putting up banners when a new car gets released, knowing that those users would be interested in that yeah. car. Like there's so much we can do. I'm just excited to see what we do with it. How cringe an yeah. answer. <laughs> 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 it's so not. What about yourself, Sam? Uh, I'm so, I can imagine Sam's now going to give me a curveball. Not, not necessarily. <laughs> I um, kind of, on a personal level, I'm very passionate about user experience. Something that it's kind of what drove me, arguably, into the testing area instead of the developer area, to be honest. I really it's a bit almost a hobby to a degree. I'm very passionate about user experience. I like to talk about it and understand it and do a lot. And with the AutoTrader app, it's still very early days, but I can see the potential for massively improving our consumer experience through this. You know, It's very deleterious to a user experience if you keep showing them recommendations that aren't fitting to them. It annoys people. And the more we can tailor this to the user, the more our recommendations are smart and informed by the user's decisions, the more relevant things we show them, the more relevant notifications we send them, the better the user experience for everyone in our app is going to get. And as someone that's really passionate about user experience in general, I'm very optimistic and very hopeful to see where in the long run this is going to take us yeah. and what we can do to really make our users you know, lock the phone, put it in the pocket and go, 
that was a really good experience on the app. That that was good. It did what I wanted it to do. It recommended some cool things. You know, I've never had anyone yet give us a review and go, the app recommended the car I bought, but one day that might happen and that will be fantastic. Cool. Yeah, and I think just just crucially, you know, we know that electric cars are yeah. the big, you know, buzz for, for the next few years. So I think crucially being able to determine exactly when perhaps consumers are starting to think about electric cars and serving them kind of some ed educational kind of content, you know, charging, you know, what kind of charging point do you want to get installed? I think that for me is, is quite exciting and a big opportunity to just make sure that the content is relevantly kind of sent at the right time for you, but also relevant based on what, what where you are in kind of your car buying journey. Yeah, yeah. there's so much, sorry. Oh, go on. There's so much you can do as well in terms <coughs> of accounts. And I think that's an area we've not really harnessed as much in terms of like app accounts as well. Like we don't really do that much social aspect of accounts. Like we don't really have sort of friends on Autotrade or anything like that. I think a big thing that we've looked into in the past in like some of our hack days and stuff is like having shared lists, for example. You know, that would be a big sort of personalization feature, mm. I guess, if you could like share a list with someone else and people could be adding to and from like your saved yeah, search yeah. list, things yeah. like that. Yeah, there's a bunch yeah. of features there's that so we've much. talked about like that. You know, yeah. we know so many people when they browse for a car, they have that one person that's their car friend that knows yep. about cars yeah, yeah. and they yeah. ping all of these adverts, they share them all to them. What if you could have a shared list with that person? Yeah, and then we could recommend people. what cars you yeah. could add to that list. Kind of like get, that is super interesting because me and one of the lads who works here, DCJ, we both got VW vans. When he was buying his, he was pinging me. Oh, what do you think of this one? What do you think? Yeah. I'm like, I'm not that. I'm, like, I'm not a guru in them. I've just got one, which probably isn't the best one. But it is that. I mean, especially if you're into like more specialist vehicles and you're trying to reach out to people who really know their stuff. Like, don't get the two liter. Get the one point six because it's you know X Y Z on. Yeah, and, and electric cars, right? I mean, that's yeah. a great yeah. example. Oh, yeah. I think you you we're all learning about them. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, I was I was fortunate enough. Went to EV Live at the weekend. It's first time I got to drive a Tesla, and I suddenly got what all the buzz was about. You know, I'd read about yeah. it and obviously seen them on the site, but actually driving one and sitting in there, and there's kind of cameras all around you and not having any dials. I was like, okay, I kind of get why these are yeah. now pretty popular. Yeah. So yeah, buying a car for a lot of people is a collaborative experience, and we don't have any collaborative features yet. But that whole scope is open to us, and in the long run, there's so many things we could do in that space. Cool. And is that, like, I was going to ask one last question around like trends, whether the industry trends or technical trends, but is it that push to EV where you think that is going to, or is there other trends? I mean, I think, I think obviously in, in the car industry, I think that's obviously one of the big priorities for Autotrader over the next few years as we build up to kind of this, this 2030 30 kind of deadline. I think from a, from an app perspective, consumer engagement is now, you know, a massive kind of, uh, area of kind of focus i think because we've lost that ability to kind of serve ads successfully perhaps through kind of facebook and other meta platforms where there's huge scale it the onus is really on us now to kind of leverage our own data to kind of successfully tailor those ads for for each in, individual user so i think ensuring that users are kind of signed in and how we manage that data I think is is probably the big big area of focus yeah. for the industry cool yeah i'd say like app wise it's just a fight to stay relevant right like we don't want an out of date looking app we want to make sure it's looking nice we don't want people you know to stop using the app because it looks like out of date things like that stuck in the 90s yeah exactly no but i've seen apps out there that you use them and they just even if they were like you launched two years ago they're already like yeah, looking yeah, a no, bit I'll old get you mean, yeah 
like we need to make sure that like we're at the front of that because yeah. people just stop using it especially like younger people as well because it is the internet at the end of the day right yeah what about yourself sam any trends that you're particularly looking at excited uh, about well, at the fearful of at the moment there's a, a massive trend <laughs> not even just in apps but in tech in general and ai and machine learning and all the rest it's kind of become the in thing and you've got to put ai in front of all your features i mean you know in terms of auto trader we've used a lot of machine learning artificial intelligence in various places not necessarily you know someone might know but the mileage indicator is powered by machine learning in the background for example you know these kind of things that all calculate not really necessarily sung about and a lot of apps are now starting to sing about oh our ai powered recommendations and all the rest and it's an interesting area. Uh, it's There's definitely scope, you know, in the long run for us to have smarter recommendations powered yeah. by these kind of systems. And it would be really interesting to see where that could go. Yeah, like free text search, chat oh, GPT, who knows? Well, we're going to have, a, I think we definitely have a podcast on that type of subject. So, listen, this time has absolutely flown and you're starting to blow my mind a little bit. Um, so, cheers for that. Thanks for coming and sitting on the, the couch for the last 40 plus minutes. Um, and thanks for the people tuning in. Keep an eye out for future episodes where we'll be going back to the land of Auto Trader with product and tech folk and talking about stuff they're passionate about. Thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.